All right. Hello. We're back. It's Mitch. I have a episode 11, by the way. I have a new podcaster joining the mix going forward. Introduce yourself. Uh, yo, guys. My name is Jundar, or you can call me Jim, whichever way you want to talk. Uh, he's my name. Uh, and I love traps. <laughs> yes, this man does love traps. Yes, he does. Yes. Yep, uh, Mitch has seen has seen my phone uh, in public and restaurants, and seen that I've watched trap porn on them. Yeah, so uh, j- just to backtrack one one second there, because we just kind of went in real deep. Uh, you know, this episode typically, you know, we have a, a more established structure, uh, Grant, uh, Grant and I. But uh, you know, we since we got Jundar coming into the mix now, Grant's going to still be on as well. You know, we're just going to. Sort of mix it up, have more people on, and uh, have a little bit more uh, variety and whatnot. So, yeah. Uh, besides the traps, we're 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 mostly gonna just get into Jundar. Let him get into introducing himself, who he is, how he met, et cetera, et cetera. It's a beautiful love story, uh, all those things, and then we'll just go from there. So, anyway, continue. You love traps, right? It's, it's a beautiful love story. You know, me and you had. Uh, we were in a con- we were in a trap shop one day, uh, just admiring all of the fantastic boy pussy out there, uh, until we just like gazed in each other's eyes from across the room. Yeah, that's exactly how it happened. For sure. <laughs> oh that's- yeah. Hey, we got the we got the picture at you know at the shop to prove it. Just we can't go back there because you know they banned us. Yeah. All right. So, uh, besides traps, what else? Uh, so yeah. Uh, well, a little bit about myself is I uh, I enjoy video games just like Mitch. That's how we actually met each other. Like uh, ten years ago, actually, we were playing the Uncharted Two beta. Uh, we got into that shit. Uh, we didn't even know each other at the time. We just randomly met during a match, and I don't know. I just thought this guy was cool playing with him so i sent him an invite and you know he accepted much to his uh, displeasure he has come to regret that decision ever since yeah instant yeah. one of the biggest regrets of my life it, it has been it has been the biggest mistake of his life but you know he's stuck with me now he, he can't get rid of me yeah i'm like yeah i'm I'd... like parasite as soon as uh... i letting go <laughs> Well, yeah, the infamous infamous one came out, I think, and it came with uh, uh, the beta yeah. for Uncharted Two. I, I hadn't even played the first one yet. I got into it. Yeah, I met you, and your fucking stupid name, Zombie Man, like four two seven zero or some bullshit, and yeah. all caps. And uh, maybe, yeah. So we got into that shit, started playing, and yeah, shit was ten years ago. <clears throat> fucking nuts to think about. And since then, he's you know I'm. I talked, I mean, he relentlessly fucking messaged me. He didn't have a computer at the time, and he relentlessly fucking messaged me on PlayStation. Like, every day. Hey. 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 Every fucking day on the <laughs> little PlayStation I, messaging system. Yeah, that's how I do it. I wear these people. Yeah, it was, a, it was definitely attrition. War of <laughs> fucking attrition. And then we would, uh, because again, he had no computer at the time, and he's <coughs> from Aruba, if that hadn't been established. You may have already said that. No, I have uh, not. I'm actually from Aruba, t- small little island in the Caribbean. Yeah. Uh, yep. But please don't look back. Don't look bad on me for that. I yep. can't help it. 
Yeah, he's he's like some fucking he's like a brown Dutchman or something like that. I am complicated, but essentially, uh, yeah, we met through the game and whatnot. And I remember we uh, because you didn't have a computer or anything, we would talk in the fucking PlayStation chat room you know, on P- on PlayStation Three. You couldn't do anything else. Like there was no other. Uh, you just yeah. had to sit in the fucking room and like you just saw a little floating head bobble. Yeah, of your that, was until, that was until we got uh, into Red Dead Redemption. Red Dead and, uh, and I think I maybe thought of four too. Yeah, but I think we spent most of our time with Red Dead with me just like throwing knives up your ass. Yeah, we didn't even play the game. You know, you could do all kinds of stuff in that game. You could like race horses and play cards and do missions, but mostly we just ran around in circles while he threw throwing knives into my asshole. Yeah, I think the most knives I ever got up there were like maybe six. Yeah, I think after that they just start to disappear <laughs> and you just have to start over. But anyway, yeah, we met through that shit and, um, you know, we were basically two almost entirely different fucking people back then. I know I was. And uh, yeah. yeah, after all that, went through all that shit, we talked pretty much all the time online and we have ever since. But then you came here, what, 2016? Uh, yeah, I think 2016 was the first time I came. The first time I was I was there was 2016 on a vacation. Yeah, it was, it was just, during that cabin trip. Yeah, we went. So basically, yeah, we talked online for for years, mostly through games, pretty regularly, and then uh, we both were in much shittier places in our in our lives. I I fucking certainly was. I was. Uh, I don't know, let's say 60-ish pounds fucking fatter. I'm like 155 now. I was like 60 or f- 60 fucking pounds heavier. And uh, all like the best part of my pathetic day was because I was uh, with my girlfriend at the time, which was just not obviously going well, but I don't want to make it about myself. So I'd, I'd basically just go to fucking, I'd get out of class because I was in college. I'd get out of class. Go get some Bojangles, come home, watch TV, and then play fucking games. Like, that was the highlight of my day, of my life, really. That was pretty much my highlight, too, except there was no Bojangles. Where I'm from, there is no Bojangles. So you had it worse than me. (laughs) Exactly, because... You just had some local shitty shit. Oh, yeah. I had Kentucky Fried Chicken KFC. That's that's how bad I It's not as good as Bojangles, but, it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, anyway. I, but, yeah, yeah. Probably, like, it was similar. Like, my the highlight would be, like, if I I was also going to college at the time. And to me, like, the highlight was getting out of the class early. That was it. Yeah. So we met through that shit. And then, you know, we both were in pretty miserable <laughs> spots. So we sort of grew together, even though you're in Aruba and I'm in North Carolina. So it's a fucking yeah. quite a distance. So all that shit. And then finally... We tried to make it happen a couple of times prior, but finally yeah. you came here in, it was like May of 2016 or some shit for the first time. Yeah. yeah. So was... you stayed a week and then you came, what, the next time later uh, that year, that, right? Yes. Yeah, because that was when, well, uh, originally the plan was that uh, I was going to try to move there to start a life in the North Carolina, but... Then you got diagnosed with your heart condition. To yeah. Then I found out I was, he was supposed to, it's like we had a whole plan. He came here and visited the first time. They had a whole plan to help him come here and sort of help him integrate exactly. here. Eventually, you know, have a life here. And then, uh, so we coordinated everything. And then I found out 
I was slowly dying. My heart was fucking failing from like a valvular issue. I think yeah. I'm sure I've went into that in prior episodes. Anyway, uh, so I ended up coming for a couple months just to help me out as I slowly fucking decayed mentally and physically. Yeah. Uh, that was there back. It's what yeah. two two months that time, right? Two or three. Uh, I believe it was kind of like three months. Like I think I came by at the end of year to mill or the end of September. Uh, I was there for all of October, all of November, and I think early December I went back home to Aruba because at that point, because as soon as you got diagnosed with your heart condition, it kind of became trying to set up a life there to trying to help you go through your medical condition, trying to assist you any way it can. And, but during that time, I just, I was just being lazy. I was just like spending most of my time in your house, just watching TV or going out to eat and movies and playing yeah. games. Which it wasn't, I mean, it was like a mutually destructive situation yeah. because the intent was like, I'm going to go help him. Uh, because yeah. like eventually, like basically I just found out that I was exhausted 24 seven and then found out, you know, what they did a bunch of tests, found out like the valve was fucked up really bad, all that stuff. And it was supposed to be like you were going to come and, and sort of help me as I, you know, because I was fucking exhausted, couldn't do much, couldn't go, couldn't do a lot. Um, and you were supposed to help me. But then it sort of flip flopped. And then I think you came here with that intent. But then you just sort of become. I got comfortable. It, you got very. Yeah, that's an easy way of putting it. You got very comfortable. And then I sort of started trying to help you. Yeah. You know, which helped me to be honest, like helping, trying to help you help me distract myself from the fucking slow misery that I was enduring myself, you know? Yeah, and uh, I think at the same time around no- at the end of November, uh, I think you know, I was starting to feel that uh, I was kind of like overstaying my welcome. I kind of like, especially from your side, like I kind of felt like you were trying to tell me, like in a nice, indirect way, that yeah, maybe Jinder, Jinder, it's time. Maybe it's time for you to kind of go back home. Yeah. Well, especially because. We well, especially because Libby, you know, yeah. kept, was having more and more of a presence. Yeah. And uh, in, in my life and stuff, and then eventually moved in in like, I don't know, January or February, after that. So she just sort of was here and there at first, but anyway, essentially. Yeah, do and then most recently after all that stuff you know he yeah he we just sort of came to the realization that it wasn't helping and and because i wasn't helping the situation either i was sort of um you know just kind of paying for for it for for to continue to have you there essentially like sort of just floating it by and and just sort of distracting me uh, in a sense, and you know, the distraction could only go on so long before I just had to face the issue. And I, you know, I tried, and then of course they denied the surgery, said it wasn't time yet. Went to another surgeon, and he was okay with it. But you know, that's a whole different story, or she rather. But nonetheless, you know, you went back, and yeah, after that, I kind of went back home to Aruba uh, for about six months, and then. I think, you know, although I think you did offer me this a bit before that, like maybe around March, April, maybe. 
you offered me like one more chance to come back to the states with the sole intention this time of actually trying to to start up a life there not just go there to help you out because at this point you already pre-committed to libby uh you were a couple of that time so like it, it was not anymore oh hey jinder look i need your help to just help me through this no it was yeah no she she was there she lived with me and everything yeah it became pretty much jinder like this is it this might like this is like the last chance i got to even help you son like it's now or never because after this like i'm gonna start my life that that, that's you so you know make a choice boy and yeah i chose to come back again uh around july yeah early july I moved back to North Carolina to try and start a life. Uh, trying working with you a little bit. Uh, trying to find like a much more permanent job. Uh, trying to find like, you know, pretty much a girlfriend. Just trying to have a social life. And at this point, like in the first few months, I actually was kind of trying. You know, I was going to the gym, trying to lose. Some of the weight I had, because at that time, you know, listeners, I was 250 pounds. No girl was going to touch me. Like, not even fat girls. Fat girls, you know, they're like, just because they're fat, don't mean they don't want no goddamn, you know, Chris Hemsworth coming in their house and, like, wooing them. That's what they want. They don't want, they don't want, you know, Chris Farley in there. Yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll want Chris Farley to, you know, you know have a laugh with, maybe take some blow but then you know as soon as you're like facing down the ground dying like they're, they're gone they're, they're split spell yeah uh but yes yeah, so i was just trying to you know shed some pounds trying to look bare trying to you know be more disciplined trying to like change but i really didn't change much because eventually i just got so comfortable again just living in an environment man because i yeah, because I had it good. I didn't have to worry about shit. I was living with you in your house, in your guest room. You know, I was getting easy money. And just, I didn't have to work. I didn't have to really work that hard. So I just started getting lazy again. Just uh, spending more time on video games again. Watching TV, going to see movies. Sometimes go out on a date. Even then, that was a struggle because... Weekends, like you would have to try and force me out of the house, like trying to force me to be out yeah. of the town. Yeah, and and I mean the difficulty of it too is, you know, you came, um, a couple, you know, a couple months before my heart surgery, but like days before you got there, I had gallbladder surgery, like yeah. three, two or three days before, because you know, and I'm a fucking skinny guy, I just have some fucked up problems, and so they cut that out, so that fucking sucked for a while and um and so we came and got you libby came with me we came and got you and then hey, you were yeah oh, man. oh i was super fucked up it fucked my stomach i mean i still have you know i still have a lot of fucking yeah. problems and shit but anyway uh you came in you know at that point the heart surgery was already booked and stuff in cleveland everything was set and it was just a matter of waiting, and it was like two months. Um, so 
the the difficulty was that I at this point like my heart was so diminished and, and in such bad shape that and it progressed so quickly that I just really had almost no life. Like I couldn't I couldn't hard I couldn't breathe very well. I couldn't really go very long. I could walk I, a couple of blocks and I was I, fucking Yeah, dumb. I remember it. I remember the three of us going out uh, downtown, downtown yeah. trying to get something to eat and you could you could barely walk that block. Like we yeah, just like walked we literally walked the one block of that street, and you already wiped. You're like you couldn't go anymore. Yeah, it, it was pretty fucking brutal. It, it was just such a miserable feeling, and at that point, it just the, the mitral valve was just shot <coughs> entirely. You know, my surgeon told me uh, by the time the procedure was over. But essentially, um, after I got it fixed and I came back to uh, North Carolina you yeah i mean you it's like when you first came you were motivated you really tried you pushed yourself you wanted to make a life here and then i was so in such a bad in such bad shape because of the condition that i i really had no room to help you or motivate you i mean there's nothing i could really do i just hardly could fucking you know do anything at that point and you know and i was just obsessed and and shit with the surgery itself and i was trying to finish writing my book as well you know if you remember and i that's i fucking obsessed over it's the only two things i thought about was the surgery and my book so i just really wanted to finish it obviously because i fucking died or something like i have some kind of something left behind um and uh you did okay and then i think when i went to cleveland to get the surgery i think you started to fall apart at that point i think that's when you really gave up is when i left because i you were here watching the house and everything and the dogs for like i don't know it was a while it was a while it was like at least a week you know i was gone for like nine days or something like that so do you i think you just libby was gone for most of them as well and i think you just were here and you went on a couple of days but i think you just sort of gave up and and sort of slid back into your old ways and just did fucking nothing and you know yeah. you, you you know you had all this shit built up in your head. And I think by the time I came back, the damage was done. You gave up on yourself. You stopped trying. And, you know, I, I don't think you really ever rec- recovered while you were here. I don't really ever think there was a, that there was a moment where you sort of took back a hold of things again and said, okay, you know, yeah. like And, and really reckoned with yourself and said, okay, wow, I, I slipped. I made some mistakes. You know, I, I started eating like shit again. I became lazy and unmotivated again. You just sort of coasted. And again, I was struggling to recover as well. You know, my fucking chest was sawed right down the middle. So it was a slow recovery. And on top of the issues I had with all the abdominals, you know, the surgery, that surgery and all the persistent problems. So I wasn't really in a position and all I could do is constantly try to remind you and help motivate you. And it just didn't matter. It fell on deaf ears. And and it's because you just really hadn't suffered enough. You know, you hadn't you hadn't known what it was like to really fail. And the reason oh. for that is because you've never tried. Yeah. Like up up until well, look, up until you left that time, you never really attempted anything. You were too you were too terrified. You were too terrified to take a chance to try something, to do anything, because you were too terrified of the failure that may well, you know, come after. So instead, you just did nothing. 
you just sat idly. And yeah, I mean, you ended up squandering the opportunity. You lost a lot of weight and you did work hard at first and you became more strict, but it wasn't. And then finally history repeated itself. And I learned the lesson that, you know, I can't just keep um, pacifying, you know, I can't, I can't keep as long as I keep you here and try to float you by and do everything for you. Like it's not, going to solve anything you have to learn it yourself and then we just kind of mutually decided yeah. it was time for you to go back yeah because uh the biggest problem i was dealing with as well at that time is just that i just referred to you too you know too many times for an answer like i never tried to solve a situation on my own it's like yeah if it was with women i'd be like man what should i do uh, if it was with uh buying a place it was like you know mitch what should i do so it never really, I never really made this, those choices, and but also at the same time, like a lot of what I was doing, like the positive stuff, still that I was doing at that time, still, you know, a lot of it was simply because, you know, I was living with you, and you know, I was always under that that uh, scrutinizing, you know, view of you, like if I wasn't. At least trying to do something like or at least trying to like lose weight or trying to be out and out uh, in town that you know, you'd you know look at that and just start criticizing you for it so I, yeah it motivated me, motivated me a little to be more outside but it wasn't coming from from me it was just coming from from other people mm-hmm. and around the t- and around like the last two months that I was living there, it honestly felt very miserable to to be there personally. Like I just couldn't do, I just couldn't do it. I just kinda of felt I felt like I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I don't know where everything was heading. And just I I was just like in a rut. I just wanted to get out. I and I didn't know how. Like the only other, the only solution I had was to go back home because, like, at least from home I had like an, an uh, idea of where I can start. Like, if I want to really turn my life around, refix fix everything, like I'd have to go back home. That's where I have to to rebuild myself. And around December. Uh, when we like after family dinner with your parents and going to the mall, I pretty much told you, you know, Mitch, I think it's time for me to leave. Yeah, and and so that sort of leads into you know that's I think got the introduction down here. I think um what what that leads us to is sort of what it takes to to understand. You know, and I've touched on this before is, you know, the whole suffering aspect of life is, is just to, to fail like you had to fail to succeed. It's and it's almost like I was thinking about this earlier today. I was I told you I had to do the stress test and yeah. like when they were hooking me up and getting everything ready to, to check on everything. I was thinking, you know, I was like, you know, you really haven't truly lived a day in your life until you've nearly died. You know, you can't live until you nearly die and know it too yeah like to to know it to really to have life really 
slip through your fingers nearly. That then you can't you can't appreciate it. You can't appreciate what you have until until it's gone. I mean, which has of course been said a million ways and a million times. But yeah, but it's still true because I mean, even me technically, technically I've almost died as well. But this happened when I was yeah when you were a baby infant. So I don't even have memories of it. Yeah, I mean that's that's not it's a totally different situation. But you know the main point is that you have to. You have to fucking taste that defeat to learn. If you never lose, you never learn. So, you know, having lost out on what you considered to be really the a fucking that dream. Was my dream. Yeah. That yeah, that was your dream. You know, to to have a life here and to sort of be integrated in, into society here and you know my world as well. Um, to to blow that opportunity, you know, and and not have me swoop in and fix it. It was you know, a fucking wake-up call. Like, you you have to take control. You If you want to change, if you want to be better, you have to assert control. You have to show that you give a fuck enough to do it. And that's the problem with a lot of people is they, they wait. They have this odd perception that somehow life is, is just going to provide the answers to them. You know, it's just going to... The universe is going to bestow upon them the fucking... Uh, keys to the kingdom it doesn't work i mean from the moment you're born you're dying and the moment the moment you take that first breath it's one it's one breath you'll never get back and you're you just slowly fucking decay after that and every breath it's a it's a fight to survive every word every everything is a fight to survive and you're owed nothing you you you're promised nothing you have to create purpose and if, if you find there is no purpose, like many people do in this life, so be it. But it's not up for the universe or who the fuck ever to provide a purpose for you. You have to provide it for yourself. And, and the thing is, like, the universe kind of, well, it doesn't give you a purpose. It doesn't provide you the service, but it does provide you at least the idea of what you need to be doing, or at least whenever you're fucking up. Because, you know, like like we said before, when we met, we were both not in the best of places. But because, you know, life threw so much shit at you, like, you had to grow. Like, you you had to grow. And then from there, you know, like, I was kind of like still, while you were growing, I was still in the same spot as I was before. Like, if I even, if I grew at all, it was like just fucking minor. And but it was the moment when you started offering me the chance to to go there, to try and start a life. That's when, you know, the universe was kind of providing me not really the keys to the kingdom, but a lesson. A lesson that I had to learn, which was I needed to fail. Because while I was failing at life at that point, it was still kind of like, it still wasn't bad enough to be a wake-up call because i think because in you know when you're gonna have a wake-up call there's two there's two moments you can get you can get when you're still relatively young and able to to change yet before it's too late and when it is too late when life comes a calling tells you hey you've been fucking up son and realize oh shit 
I don't know what to do. I can't fix it. There's no more time to fix it. That's when, that's when like you're really fucked. So, yeah. so yeah, like you know the opportunity, like the opportunity you gave me was, like in a weird way, like the universe telling me, yo, you're fucking up, and this is, and you need to feel this. You need to feel what it's like to get what you want. Get the one thing you, you ever wanted in life, and then just lose it because you've been fucking up. But you're still young. You still got opportunities ahead of you. You can still fix it. So now try. It's just, but at that at that point, it's up to you to do it. That don't at that point, you gotta make that. You you gotta make that call. You gotta walk those those steps because no one else is gonna do it for you. Yeah. Well, and I think too. You know, people people grow up and they look to blame. They don't want to accept, you know, that they're in charge. They're the fucking one. I mean, it's a scary thought that you are in control. You are in charge of what happens outside of some fucking ill-fated incidents that, that may occur in your life. You, you're the one. You're steering the fucking shit, you know? So, I don't know. Yeah. But I think generally you just have to assert dominance in your fucking life you can't just you can't be an observer you can't be a bystander to your own existence you have to give a fuck which i already said before you have to give a fuck and i mean i think that that's what you struggle with throughout your life is and and most have as well or just not giving a fuck not caring not being given the tools you know as a child and, and and growing into adolescence and adulthood so i think that you know, you have to learn to, you have to learn who the fuck you are, for one, and yeah. you have to create distance, and I mean, that, of course, that's what I did, you know, I love my family, I get along with them fine, you know, we have a good relationship, but I did, what made me who I am is, is that I left, I left where I grew up, and I created a life for myself elsewhere, entirely my own, and, and this isolation, even though loneliness can be fucking crippling, and, and it can be incredibly negative, um, to be alone is not the same as to be lonely. To be alone often can yield extraordinary results. Just to be alone can create space and, and allot you the time to learn who the fuck you are. Because when you're surrounded, and I think still, and I think you know, that's something, as we said prior to recording, um, that that you are still struggling with, which is creating identity and and you it's difficult to do so when you're still in the position like if you are dissatisfied you or, or frankly anyone with who they are or or some of the decisions they've made as a whole right and you haven't even if you've made better decisions if you haven't changed your environment if you haven't altered it in some way or improved upon it, it it's unlikely that you're going to make all that many changes even though you've made positive changes, you know, you've lost a lot of weight, you have more discipline, you spend less time, uh, you know, wasting it on, on frivolous bullshit and you try to, you know, make better decisions and, and use your time more wisely. You know, you still struggle because you're still in the same environment, you're still in the same living situation. That hasn't changed. Nothing has changed. You, you're trying, but again, it's like there's not a whole lot that you can really do when you're in the same spot 
you know. So like for myself, I ha- I had to leave. I had to. Granted, I was younger and you know, I had different reasons for leaving at the time and it was nothing contentious, but being here on my own and having my own place and you know, my own apartment and then later my own home, it, it's allowed me to create my own systems and that's what you do as an adult you sort of like grow under the tutelage of of your parents or whoever um that's sort of what you know and then you go out on your own and you sort of like shed what didn't work and then you form new new techniques and new ways of living you know like well i grew up in a very chaotic loud messy fucking environment that was my life it was always like yelling and fucking insanity and this and that so in my home it's very neat it's very clean obsessively so maybe and it's quiet as fuck you know there's none of this fucking yelling loud bullshit it's just it's peaceful because it's what i always sought as a child so as an adult that's what i created for myself but see with you you grew up in a very similar situation you know contentious a lot of yelling and fighting and verbal abuse etc etc but you, you know, you're. St- I mean, I'm not saying it's as bad. I mean, it's certainly improved. But I mean, it's still the same series of people. It's still the same environment. Still the same home, same people. Because those people haven't changed. They haven't bettered themselves. Yeah. You know? And I mean, yeah. Like it is. At times, it is kind of like difficult to be around these these people. Not really because they still give me trouble. Because that's the thing. They don't. You know. Because. As far as uh, the people in my life that have been that have been like the constant uh, problems for me, like the problems they have with me are now gone. It's just that they're still like the same kind of people that they've always been, and they'll still act the same way. It's just on a lesser dosage, I guess. Now, well, but... right. But see, what you're saying there is like. They don't have any animosity toward you, toward whatever you're doing wrong, because you're not doing the same things wrong. You're, you've corrected bad behaviors, which is good. You know, that's a positive. But they're still the same people. Yeah, so they are. They, it, they haven't changed at all. It's exactly. just the way so, they and, act around me. Is and even though you've made, po- you've made positive uh, changes, mostly as a result of having failed here, which is good. And that failure, you know, eventually yield, yielded to success. You know, it, it yielded way to success. It, may, it gave way to success. That's all great. But you're still in the same environment around the same people yeah. who, again, have not changed. And so how much more can you grow? How much more can you learn? How much more can you flourish when you're still surrounded by that? And again, you're, you're not... The only one I've said numerous times myself, the people that I'm surrounded by, the people that I know personally, I have the same problem where, you know, I'm I mean, I'm happy with my, with my decisions and who I am as a man. And I'm very comfortable with that and confident and obviously I have a good relationship with my wife. That's good. It's positive. It's it's always progressive. And that's great. It's moving forward. But still, the people I, I know and have been around my whole life, they haven't changed. So it's difficult for me to to grow as much as i could you have to get out you have to branch out you have to make new connections you have to meet people and and be around people who inspire you and and help you to grow yeah yeah and that has kind of been the difficulty of where i'm currently living at not even with family but just like 
people in general that I've just come across. Uh, because, like, I've tried to socialize with people that I've met at the gym, people that I've met at work, and, and like, you kind of touched upon this earlier before we started uh, this, this podcast, is that I hold a lot of these people to your standard, to your moral standard. Because, like, I've just kind of, like, seen... Because in many ways, I kind of see you as the ideal friend. Not to uh, suck your dick on this right here. <laughs> but, uh, but, but because it's like, because you as a friend have tried to do what I think a friend needs to be doing for, their, for a friend, which is to push them to do better. Like if they're in a tight spot of situation that they're not happy in, I think as a friend, it, you, know, you should try to help these people uh, the best that you can like without doing it for them, but still enough to where they see the effort that you're giving them to motivate them to like give that same amount of motivation to themselves. Uh, that's kind of like what I see. That's what I look for. And also just you know the morals as a person, just as an individual, as a human being, and a lot of these people are like, man, they just don't, they don't stack up. Like, uh, this one dude, like, I used to be friends with this guy uh, back in the day. But then we just kind of, like, stopped talking for a couple of years. And then at the gym, we started reconnecting. But at, at a point, I just kind of like started realizing, you know, this guy's, this guy's a fucking loser. And, yeah, I don't mean to be fucking rude here to the guy. Uh, but you know he's he he kind of is you know you know he doesn't really have a job. All he does is and he'll give people massages and he'll charge them for it. It's not free, but he doesn't really get enough people to actually make enough money to to live off of. Uh, his you know his girlfriend dumped him because of it because she wants to rent an apartment and. She can't trust this guy to do his part. And not only that, but like, you know, I talk to the guy and he talks about his fucking life. And you know, goddamn, you know, one time me and him go to a bar. He invites these two girls. One of them just turned 18. And, and by the way, it's legal for 18 year olds to drink here in Aruba. Just you guys know, so it's not even illegal. We didn't do anything illegal here. But, uh, but yeah, so like he he's hanging out at a bar with an eighteen year old girl, and this guy's almost thirty, like twenty nine years old, almost thirty, hanging out with a, a girl eleven years younger than him. And then later on that night, I find out this dude had like this dude took this girl's virginity before she was even eighteen, and I'm like. What the fuck? Like, do you, dude, that's that is messed up. Like, seriously, you're almost thirty years old. You need to be, you need to be settled down with a, a woman trying to get married, or at the very least, just be in a serious committed relationship with someone close to your age, close to your values. Yet, you know, you're hanging around having sex with 
teenagers who aren't even out of high school yet. That's just messed up. Yeah. And then just the moment it really hit me was my birthday party. I didn't have a party, but it was my birthday. And I wanted to go out to eat, and I tried to invite some of these people to, you know, to go out and have a, a nice meal. None of them had money to begin with. And, like, it was just kind of, like, embarrassing to see where he doesn't have money. And he's like, oh, well, I'm not going to go because I don't have money to pay. But then he, like, he decided he will go but because this girl that I... I don't even know. I don't even know this girl, this his friend, who offers to pay for him as long as she comes along too. And me, like I don't, I don't mind. I don't know this girl, but I don't mind. And like we're at the restaurant, and she's paying for this guy's meal while I'm paying for mine. And I, I kind of, I treat something to the table. I guess an appetizer, get him some extra fries, just be kind of nice. And then after that, the guy kind of like chastises me saying, oh, well, it's, it was your birthday. You should have treated us all. And I'm like, okay, so you're telling me it's my birthday. You know, it's my birthday. It's my special day. You should, you should be the one treating me to something. Not, not a fancy dinner, just something. But I'm the one who needs to be treating you to dinner. At that point, I'm like, okay. After that, I just stopped hanging out with the guy yeah. because I just I just kind of saw where this guy is and where he's going and just his philosophies. And I'm like, no, this does not gel with me. I don't care for this. Yeah, but you know that's what I'm trying to say is <clears throat> it's this trajectory, you know, in life, and we start out and we're sort of on this. You know, I don't want to say even scale. I don't think everybody's fucking even at all. There's no such thing as actual equality. But um, basically, you know, you start out and you, you are the summation of your environment in large part. And so, you know, as a result, you're you're only going to go so far when you start out. And it's sort of a process of elimination. And I don't I think a lot of people don't or opt out of that you know you're supposed to go through and figure out who 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 you should be around who you shouldn't be around to to shed that skin and to and to grow and learn and instead people just get stuck and they sort of are condensed down into into a a lesser version of of what they could be you know they're around people who who don't challenge them or push them and I mean, again, I could say that certainly for for a lot of the people in, in my life where and it's been difficult, you know, trying to going through the hardships that I've had to face, which are pretty fucking severe, you know, like literally life and death on more than one occasion. Um, and of course, just the isolation of being where I am and uh, relative to the people I know. So uh, but it's made me a better person. It's It's helped me truly grow you know because i had to be alone i had you know there were the moments where shit got really grim and really uncertain i i didn't 
Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty fucking. It's pretty dark, man. And so it, it it was, and it can be. So being around that, when you're around people who who haven't experienced shit like that, you you feel alone, and it's it's difficult to grow because they're still stunted. A lot of the people I know, they're still stunted. They still think the same way as when is when I left. I left when I was eighteen, nineteen years old. I'm twenty nine. Damn, I ain't too far off from thirty, and it. They they haven't changed. Nothing's changed. Nothing. They didn't grow. They didn't learn. They they didn't do anything. They're the same fucking people as when I left. And it's you know it's where they're at. They haven't, <laughs> they, haven't they haven't made a move. You have to make a move. You have to move. You know. And I fucking moved. I left. I started over. And there's been so many times throughout all. I've been here for nearly ten years now. And there's so many times where you know I laid alone in the fucking dark with no one and nothing except my little fucking dog and just fucking pondered what the fuck am i going to do now and um you know how am i going to get through this what am i going to do next and it wasn't fucking easy it sucked it was brutal and it was sad and and but it was also reflective and cathartic and you know a lot of it it made me independent it made me uh willing willing to really search within to, to find answers and to, to help myself move forward. Uh, it helped me learn who the fuck I was and what I wanted, who the type of man that I was in that moment and the man that I wanted to grow to be one day. And by confronting that inner darkness. Eh? Yeah. You know, confronting and, and your, you know, your, your fears and all that stuff, everything everything just who the fuck you are internally and and that's a that's a terrifying uh fucking cliff to to face that that you know that edge when you're peering down at it it's fucking mortifying and i think a lot of people well look a lot of people get stuck there you know that's what happens it's like they 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 look within they fucking are terrified of what they see and then they just stop they stop short and they and they procrastinate you know they'll they'll become addicted that's how people become fucking addicted to drugs and 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 food and games and all this bullshit is is they just don't want to confront it's difficult to confront it's difficult to assert it's hard to truly look at yourself honestly truly honestly bare naked and rectify what's wrong you know because often it takes a fucking herculean amount of of effort to undo i mean it did for me it did for me it took a long fucking time to break you know to to be to eat healthier to to exercise more to do more that sounds trite but truly it did and you know my family's all struggle with with weight issues and and health issues all kinds of shit so it was difficult to to break that mold they still do to this day so it was hard for me to you know break out of that and be my own man make create the best the best version of me for myself and none of them are particularly good communicators they don't want to talk about anything hard they don't want to confront and so i had to learn to do that particularly when i was dealt all the fucking bad medical cards so it was about finding a way no matter how hard to grow to be better that's all i ever wanted and of course all that time alone as dark as it may have been, it allowed me to reflect. And all that reflection is what pushed me to, to write. 
and then that led to me writing a fucking book and that is a testament to every feel i've ever felt every fucking nightmare that ever haunted me every dream i ever dreamt you know that everything it was just everything it was a fucking more or less a, a journal you know documenting my journey from this fucking alone this lonely scared kid to to a fucking you know man to a man and and ever fucking flawed but a man no less who had you know a better varied perspective of the world and that's why i don't think you can really truly be an adult until you leave you know until until you have a life of your own until you you're allowed to make your own mistakes you know like my brother my brother is the way that he is because he he's still there you know, he has his own house, but it's it's close to my parents, and he's he's still there. He hasn't he hasn't had to make it. He hasn't had to reckon with his own mistakes. If he fails, they're still there to help him. You know, if I fail, I fail, and that's it. You know, it's done. So, like I agree with that because for me, it was when I left Aruba to go live with you like uh, in 2017 and like and had to fail and come back even though i did come back to to my home to my family and to what was essentially like a safety net and it, it didn't feel like that for me it it just kind of like felt like best way i can describe it is kind of like being a dolphin in the ocean who just got like a plastic wrap around his dorsal, dorsal and can't fucking breathe. That's what it was for me. No, it was. <laughs> it was quite the imagery. Yeah, well, that's how it felt for me because even though I had all the safety around me, it, it was suffocating for me because I had so much freedom when I was with you in North Carolina and, like, I didn't take advantage of it. And I squandered it, doing the same shit I always did. And now that I was back in the situation, it just like it felt like it was all coming back. It was all coming down hard on me, and I had to just really sit down with myself and just kind of like review the last six months of my life. And just like even going out into town, driving around. I would just constantly see shit that would just remind me of my time in North Carolina, almost like I had, you know, PTSD flashbacks. And it made me have to confront with some very dark realities about myself. Uh, One of them was that I was a very shitty friend to you. Because I always... I always knew that I had problems that held me back. But I always believed in the back of my mind that, well, hey, I may be lazy, I may be a bit of an asshole, but hey, you know what? At least I'm a good friend to my friends. Yeah, I'm a, but then just being around you during arguably the most difficult period of your life or at least the second most difficult period of your life uh, you know 
until like the fluid buildup shit. I'd probably say that, but yeah, I'd I, I'd rank that slightly worse, honestly. Mm. Uh, and just to know that this guy that was practically dying, that I dared to call my friend. He was doing all this shit for me, trying to help me when he's like, you know, got internal bleeding in his heart, and he's fucking gonna die if he don't get a heart surgery. And all I'm doing is, you know, spending all my time in his upstairs guest room jerking off the goddamn traps and playing video games. Man, like, what fucking shit person am I? Like, this dude's, you know... He don't got time to think, to worry about me and what I'm doing, what I'm doing with my life. But he is. He's taking that time to worry. And, you know, incidentally, it's putting, incidentally, that's putting a strain on his current wife now. That she has to work harder to help his her husband now to deal with his problems. And I'm not even thinking about that. I'm not thinking about I'm thinking about myself. I'm thinking about finding myself a girl to fucking and be in a relationship with. I'm thinking about the next big video game that's coming out that I want to play. I'm thinking about going to to live events. That's what I was thinking about. I wasn't thinking about this dude right here that I'm that I call my best friend. And at that moment that just re, it just hit me so hard. To, to think about all that stuff. It honestly made me want to cry, especially when, you know, later on, we'd have conversations and, you know, you kind of like show genuine, uh, genuine desire to have me be part of your life, be part of your wedding. And that shit tore me up. It tore me the fuck up in, in, internally. And at that point, you know, like I kind of decided, look, I can't keep doing this anymore. I can't just keep making the same mistake over and over again and not change. And after that, you know, I started getting serious. You know, I tried to find a job. I met, I finally did. And, you know, I decided, look, you know, I want to be able to be proud of myself. I want to be able to have achievements that I can hang up on my wall and I started going back to my my college and finish up my degree and you know like and I can tell you right now dude at the end of this uh, semester in June I will have my diploma that's yeah. fucking amazing to me yeah but that's but I, but that's all because I had to confront you know that darkness inside of me like I had to really look deep inside and just confront the person that I was. And and since then, like, like 2018 for me was a struggle to fight uh, the old me. That's why before we, we started this podcast, I was having so much difficulty difficulties trying to be part of it because, you know, some of the things that you know, I'm admittedly still passionate about. I didn't want to be because I, because I saw that as still a lingering connection of a version of me that I did not like. 
the version of me that upset so much about these things that this was his life and i wanted to get away from that as far away as i can and honestly i think i i've done good progress in that where i've broadened my horizons broadened my my interests in different fields i'm not the most i'm not the most educated guy on all these subjects i've been interested in but yeah, I still want to listen to him. I still want to know more. And you know, like I'm definitely a different guy than I used to be. I still have my, I still have my issues here and there, but you know, but it's a struggle every day. And I think that's just you know part of the process of just trying to be a better person. You're still trying to, you know, fine tune yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. And, and, you know, it's not a entirely upward trajectory. You're, you know, you're going to fail. And then you're going to fucking succeed, and you're going to fail and succeed. You know, and then you might fail a shitload. And you might succeed a shitload. That's just life. But the point is, it's not, as they've said, you know, they being who the fuck ever has said numerous, it's not about where the fuck you start, it's where you end up. And it's about what you're doing now. You know, you may have fucked up yesterday, and... But it's about what the fuck you're gonna do today to fix it. You know, what are you gonna do today to be better? Um, that's what that's what has meaning. That's what has substance. Is what can you do to yield growth? You know, to yield a positive result. And too many people, I think, fret and worry and stress over what they did wrong or or what they could be doing rather than doing something to be better. Yeah, and you know, I've uh, you know I've I've been in that position many times where I'm just like thinking about like the mistakes I've done, yard days when I do focus a bit too much on that, but at the same time I just try to I'm still you know I still try to push myself forward and try to not think about that, try to think about all right you know what I'm gonna do tomorrow and. Yeah, I there's two moments that I like to always think back to to as means of telling myself, all right, dude, you are not that guy anymore. You're not the guy from twenty seventeen. You're not that guy from twenty sixteen. You're not the guy from ten years ago. You're a new guy. And it's these two moments. Uh the most recent one you already know about this where you know i was sitting at this girl's house that i was trying to date at the moment you know who don't want to be in too detail gotta keep it a secret from you guys i want you all to stalk me uh was when i was at her house just eating food like it was it's like simple as shit it's most simple as shit there is but at that moment, it kind of felt like, yeah, you know, the old me was never in the situation. Old me never even came close to finding themselves in the situation. So you don't, so you got to stop thinking about the guy you were and just try to focus on being the guy you want to be. And the other one was during uh, your the week of your wedding. Like the moment, 
you know, I was about to leave to go back home, and I hand you that $80 for the wedding clothes. Because at that moment, like, I kind of saw it in your eyes that, you know, you've seen the change in me. That the guy that, was, that you saw in front of you wasn't that same guy a year ago who was in, in your guest room just watching TV and not doing anything. The same guy that, you know, you'd walk in and, and like, have a serious conversation about trying to, to find a place to rent. And a month later, hasn't done jack shit. Those are the kind of moments when I like to think back to and know that, yes, I have changed. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you have, you know, you've made a lot of. A lot of changes, and I mean, that's what it's about, because you've you've been willing to look inward, you know. You've been willing to confront the things that you just never wanted to confront, that you've avoided your entire fucking adulthood up until recently, you know, up until the last year or two. And and at that point, I feel like you finally just had enough. You've seen enough. And, and I think, too, you know, you spending time or hearing about or spending time around the people I'm talking about who haven't made these changes, who haven't who are still in that spot, I think also you you see that and you're like, fuck that, I don't want to be that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, for me, yeah, it, it, that was a situation, you know, just kind of like seeing those people and not just that, but just seeing what you've been through. You know, to just like see what real life is. It just wakes you up. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I say, it's a fucking hard road, man. It's a hard, and you know, that's why people don't want it. They don't. They don't want the hard way. They want the easy way. They want the distractions. So, yeah, I think you know, throughout all the years of of knowing one another, you've definitely made a lot of uh, a lot of adjustments, a lot of changes, and you know, you know that you still have a ways to go. You know, you're still working on it. Everybody's a fucking work in progress, so it's a matter of time. You know, you got to create distance, though. I think that's probably the biggest thing I would would say is at this point, you know, you've made you've you've made a lot of good changes, but now it's just time to create your own space. Right now, that's my next step is to create that space. Right now, I'm just trying to. Right now, I'm saving up as much money as I can for my job, and and then like just get out. Move out and try to make a life again, North Carolina. Uh, try to this time around just go through educational means. Probably go take uh, you know some courses in a college in the U.S. You get some degrees. Well, yeah, and I mean, I think uh, you know you might end up with a nice trap. I hope <laughs> that'd be that'd be I mean, a we... lovely ending. I mean, yeah, we, we could all hope for that. But, you know, I've met a couple. I've met a couple around here, man. Hey, man, like I bet, like, but you, know, hey, look, I got a plan myself. I, you know, I can't let you bring them to me, man. Like, yeah, because part part of the joy of the trap is the hunt, 
It's a hunt for the trap. Well, I, I could say this. I found... I would say the one that I know the the best is uh, more androgynous than necessarily like a, a passable trap. But, you know, I don't know. It's up for you to decide. You, you may be into that. I'm not sure. Uh, it is on the eyes of the beholder. And, and it could all be talk. You know, you may, you may think you're into traps, and then the moment you have the opportunity to touch a femdick, you're just not into it. Agreed. So we don't really know. Yeah, I'll I'll have to touch that fam to give it a hand job and see if you know I'd like I'd like to keep doing it. If not, I'll be like, Hey listen, you know what? I had a great time meeting you. Uh you're an awesome person. But I'm just not feeling it. You know, not feeling it. Yeah. Wouldn't be the yeah. first time. Wouldn't be the first time. I could barely keep it up for a fat chick. Well, I mean, in your defense, it was. Didn't you have problems with that the first time too, with the other girl? Yeah, yeah the first time I had. Uh, it sounds like you have a, a persistent issue of limp dick. Only when it's in a bad situation. Well, it just if sounds you... like all your sexual situations are bad. No, it's just those two moments. Right. I've had sex multiple times besides those Yeah, two. with prostitutes. That doesn't count, though. I mean, that's an ideal scenario for you. It's like, because you, you're like, yeah, she's hot. You don't, you know, you could just sort of choose. It's like, yeah, I'll, this girl's hot. I want to fuck her. Okay, yeah, pay up. That's so, true. you know, with the other ones, you just had, you took what you could get. Exactly. So, and no, I guess what you could get at the time wasn't particularly good. No, they were not. Well, the thing is, with the fat one, I mean, that was just because of the physicality of it. It, it was not attractive. But the first girl, I think that was just because of the nervousness of actually losing my virginity for the first time. That just eased you up and make you perform. And perform. So, so, like, did you actually get to fuck, or... What? I don't know. To this day, I still wonder that. Well, I mean, it's not. No, it's not hard. Listen. Did your dick get hard and enter her? Simple. Somewhat. No, it's not somewhat. It literally either your dick was in her erect or it was not. It was in her for like a moment. It erect dick. Yeah, but it didn't, I mean, it didn't stay erect for too long. Well, I mean, I guess it counts. Like, if the, if your dick gets hard and you penetrate, that's sex. You know, if it goes limp, you know, whatever. I mean, it's still sex, but it's just a really bad performance. Yeah, well, I think maybe it was a bad performance. I don't know. Like, I mean, an argument could be made that it wasn't. And I'd be like, yeah, you're probably fucking right. Yeah, I'm not saying you didn't fuck her. Or, I mean, you didn't fuck her. Like, you gotta, like, actually work to fuck somebody. Like, you gotta fucking put on a show. You gotta have some vigor and some force to, to, to fuck somebody. You know, you don't just, like, slowly... You don't, like, put a half chub in someone, go limp, and then get a sad hand job, and, like, you fucked that girl. No, you didn't. I was, it wasn't a sad hand job. It was a sad blowjob. Still. You, you know, that was more like... You attempted to engage in coitus and failed. Mostly. It was hilarious, though. Yeah, that's more what that is. It's not really fucking. 
semantic. It's mostly semantics here, but still. Still. But, you know, hopefully you can find a, a cute trap here or, you know, something. Someone. If, if not, I'll sell for an attractive woman if I have no choice. Well, you know, I'd, I'd hate for you to have to stoop to such a, a level, but... Uh, I mean, I look, I, I've, I've perfect... I've come to the terms that I'll never, ever be able to find my Bailey J, but... No. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe the Bailey J will find you. Maybe, maybe that. They'll that's just have that everybody. fucking sensor inside that just knows you. You're all about the traps. That's every straight heterosexual boy stream. Yeah, every straight. Really, <laughs> I'm pretty straight, pretty heterosexual. <laughs> Definitely ain't my dream. This is not on my mind ever. Look, just because you're insecure to come out, come out and say you do it, doesn't mean you're not. You didn't I, think about. I, it. I guess I'll just have to be insecure. I'll just, I'll just keep fucking my wife and yeah. be the sad, insecure, non-hetero that I am. Exactly. Like every time, every time you're with your wife in an intimate situation, you're gonna just have to, in the back of your head, you're just gonna be like, "Man, I wish, I wish you had like a ten-inch black dick." If only. <laughs> on that note. On that note. I think we're going to wrap this one up. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess about that time. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, y'all. This has been a lovely introduction for you, Jandar. So. Yeah, I'm just hoping. I'm just hoping your your fans don't want to up and quit after this episode. Yeah, all two of you. You guys better <laughs> stick around because we got a lot in store. Yeah, and trust me, guys, I ain't going anywhere. Don't worry, you'll still have Grant around. But I yeah. mean, I'll, I'm just going to fill in whenever he's out, you know, reenacting all the Jeffrey Dahmer murders. Yeah. All right, guys. We're out of here. All right. See ya, guys. <laughs>